Rolling Bones Outdoors presents Hunt the World. From Montana to Mexico, Texas to Tajikistan, Alaska to Asia, Colorado to Canada, we hunt the world, and you can too. Do you want to take your hunting skills to the next level? Ever thought about going on that hunting adventure of a lifetime? But didn't know where to start? This podcast will be for you. Our team at Rolling Bones Outdoors is here to help you create memories that will last a lifetime. Are you ready? Let's hunt the world. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of Hunt the World with Rolling Bones Outdoors. Welcome to the Bone Cave. Um, I am Brian Maiman, and uh, today we are going to talk about research and scouting. And so I'm pretty excited about it. To my left, I'll go around the other way, is Bleep, uh, Brian Leslie, better known as Bleep here. And because and I actually had this asked, why do you guys PG-13. Yeah, because sometimes, because we, I, this one of the guys goes, why do you call him Bleep? Because you don't have any beeps on your, th-. I said no, but once in a while in the middle of a sentence, if there's just this, um, that's because he took up out of it. You know what I'm saying? And uh, um, and they, they were like, oh, that makes sense. I said, yeah, that's kind of been his MO. He doesn't like the beep, beep, beep. He likes the uh, just the bleep it out completely gone. So they Blank. said, proper name, well given. Um, so I don't know how we got it. I think it was you. Was it you yeah. or you? One of you two. It wasn't me. I think I did. Okay. And then we got Brad Dana, hashtag 393. Somebody asked me that too. We should probably preface what that is. That's because he passed on a 393-inch bull in the morning and said, I think it's not very big. Uh, I think that's a young bull, Brian. And actually, It was young. It was young. That's what I said. I was perfectly Touché. correct. Touche. <laughs> you were perfectly correct. That was a young bull. It was oh, still a stupid uh, move to pass him. It was I, a young 393. Because the, huh? the video <laughs> footage we will uh, reveal to the world one day right. um, will show that that sucker was like full in screen, nose turned inside out, could have been killed. But anyway. And then to my right, uh, Brian Mountain Man Martin here today. So uh, you got everybody. But we are going to talk about research and scouting. But before we do that, we've went through an off-season program for you. Four. We, we this is number four of four. Number one was gear and inventory, getting through your gear and inventory. And we've had some people ask about that, so you can go back and listen to it. Um, and some people have called in here. If you ever have a question on the podcast, go ahead and email us anywhere. Almost every page. Once you get past the. Front-facing website, right? Once they go into a dashboard or look at any of our adventures, there's a click button on there that basically says, uh, um, "Ask your question here, and we can answer it." But you ever have any questions? Give us a shout. We're happy to email you back and get with you. Physical conditioning was number two, which we're all. I see Brian Martin. You look like you've lost a few lbs. I think it's because I got sun, and I haven't been eating too bad. Oh, okay. Is that what it is? A little bit of walking. <laughs> I just got my treadmill set up, though. Did you? So, so you lay you <laughs> lay on the beach, you lay on the beach, and that's your form of exercise. Tell tell me about that. I there got is, some sun. There is no <laughs> beaches here to lay on, but if you if you go with like Darren, you might get in a speedboat. Um, no, just out shooting. Oh, is that is that it? So yeah, well, and then I got rained out the one night. It was bad. Well, I mean, anyway, I, I thought to this morning when I saw you walk in. Well, I haven't been eating um, any jelly donuts. I haven't been eating any pizza. Well, I take it back. I did have two slices on the way to the uh, the ranch. 
Did you? Well, you know what? They're little pieces. But we had one on physical condition, and I think everybody's right now, we're all in the throes of that having sheep hunts come up. And then uh, um, maintaining your shooting skills, and that was a real popular one, and I know a lot of people have asked about different things like that. But, hey, you want to ever know anything, just give us a shout, and uh, Brian, Brad, myself, or Kelly, or Mary, or any one of the staff in here sure would be glad to help. But today we're going to do research and scouting, and uh, which I'm – sincerely excited about um my research is done because i got my flights into doll sheep land today um for my charters flights were scheduled this morning and so that's all it i'm done with my research now let's go no i'm (laughs) teasing um my shooting skills the physical condition now we gotta make sure they're all married but uh yeah so um welcome to the show today we're happy to have you and uh, let's talk research well, the shooting schools, will be, I mean, the shooting will be the least of your issues on the doll sheep hunt. The first issue is going to be weather, winter kill from a year or two ago. Physical fitness won't be, uh, won't be probably a huge problem on that one. And, um, yeah, just trying to find a big ram, right? Because usually if you can find a big ram with your gun, you're going to get her done. I like to, uh, Brian's got a new conditioning program. His wife drops him off and makes him run behind the truck, right? It's kind of like it's kind of like the dog. Yeah, it's kind of like she just drops me off and kicks me out. No, I've been. Um, no, you know my biggest thing with physical conditioning. You talk about research. Um, right now is the time where I've been researching boots. I wore Kenetrex forever, but I read this article in one of those magazines. Um, uh, Cosmo. You probably. I think it was Domino. Um, one of my wife's magazines. No, it was, it was that if you, the lighter your boot, the lighter your pack, essentially, you know, um, that it makes, makes the. Until you hurt your feet. Can I give you a bit of advice? It, it was, my it was friend. taught by somebody. <laughs> this opened a can of worms for Because, research, <laughs> okay. So on our Mexico hunt, I was like, you know what? Because I was going to wear some shoes that I could wear on the plane instead of my big ass boots. And your feet are still screwed. And my, so I brought my Solomon GTXs. Because I'm like, okay, these would be, they could be my emergency backup, right? I had my Kenny Trex. I wore my Kenny Trex for the first half. And it's not, maybe it's not Kenny Trek. Insert Mendel, insert whatever. Whatever it is for you. Whatever it is for you. Because yeah. I'm not married to one boot. I, I wear No, we, we, yeah. we, we sell Kenny Trex, yep. but that doesn't mean we're married to them. Because, I, I, you know, but I will tell you this, I'm, I'm, my Kenny Trex are on today. <laughs> but I, I've, I had my Kenny Trex on for the first half of that hunt. And my my Solomons are uh, are a, they're not a full leather, so I'm like, okay, I'm tired of hunting in this heat. I'm gonna go with a cooler boot. That was my strategy. I'm gonna try a cooler boot, and it's got no support, and I'm still having trouble with my feet because. And that was probably only what, four days of that. Well, you're also not used to it. People that wear light shoes and go do a lot of trail running in light sh- shoes is fine, but if you're a guy who's gone from big big boots to little bitty boots. Um, yeah, it's, it's like taking a, a load-range C tire and putting on a, a, a 350 and then pulling a horse trailer and one of the sidewalls blow out. Well, right? you, you can do lots of stuff, but that's probably not a good uh, – I, I would advise against it, my friend. I would advise against it. I think it. it depends a lot on the well, person. I, I think and it's you're too big to have lightweight boots. But it, it, you know what? It's funny you say that because I, I have a pair of Scarpas that I've had for three, four years. And and one, they have a pretty stiff stole, but they're they're light – and I tried them, and I just can't. I can't get them to work. And I'm, I'm, you know, at six four, six five, and uh, it's it's hard for me to uh, um, do anything but my Kenetrex. And so the extra weight on my feet, I'm fine. I think the big thing when people research boots that they forget is what you just. I think you just said it. What's well, the same with packs? Time on your feet. 
people aren't used to time on their feet. So they go on a hunting trip and they went out and they worked out for two hours a day, three hours a day, maybe four hours. But you get dropped off in the wilderness and you're on your feet for 14 hours, 16 hours, and your feet have not had that type of time on their feet. So my encouragement is when you're researching the boot to go – to go out there, and if you're going to do a Western hunt, get a lot of time on your feet. Stand up. Stay on your feet. Well, the best analogy of the boots is it's, like, it's just like a tire in your truck. If you put a great big load range E with big tread on, you go in the desert, low chance of a flat tire. You take a highway tread, load range C, um, you know, something like this on a, even a half-ton truck, and you go over some cactus, you hit some rock, you're going to be replacing tires, and that's what's going to happen. You're, you got a great truck, but you got bad tires, and you get a guy who's 200-plus pounds, you throw a 40-pound pack, 50-pound pack on him, then you come out with 80 or 100. That little boot that used to be perfect is no longer perfect. That's a, like a, you, you got to train with him, and if you're not used to doing that, do not wear a boot that you have not experienced with and go on a backpack hunt and think that everything's going to happen because you could be like Brad and have like probably bruised feet. It's not, you know, yeah, my, you, you, it, yep. it blows your arch out because you don't have the orthotics because it, it doesn't have enough stiffness. And you overflex your foot. So it's like, you know, if you're going to do this stuff like that, go running on the beach in those five-finger shoes and stuff and get your feet used to that because it's, you're, we're not used to it. We don't trail run anymore. I used to trail run a lot. Well, our guide was wearing those Solomons, and we see young people. Young people I'm telling is different. you what, that, that guy is 30 years old, and he's going to be wearing boots because he's bragging about wearing his little cross-training shoes no matter what. Well, I can tell you, yeah. well, I can tell you that the light shoes are nice, and you, if you want to win a race, you need to have the lightest shoes, just like the Tour de France. Look what happens when a Tour de France rider though crashes his bike; it explodes, right? Forks shear off, and everything else. It's not designed for crashing. That's designed for staying upright. And these lightweight boots are the same, right? If you get into some bad rocks, I've seen them fail after one trip, and you just can't risk it. It's, I mean, you can, you can, but you need to try it on some hot, bad days with 80 pounds on. You have to emulate what you're going to do. But you don't take the hunt. You don't take a hunt to emulate. So we got sidetracked. I'm sorry. I cut you off because I was like, don't, 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 don't. don't." It's okay. Because I I thought this was a perfect place. It's hot. I I think for the most part, guys, we're talking about research and scouting. We'll talk about scouting the last half. I think that that, that when you mentioned that, the research, um, I know I'd, I'd wore those the other day. I'm I'm married to. I guess what my point to that was is I've done enough research on boots to know why am I trying to find something. You know, I, I grew up on a farm in Iowa, and the motto that we lived by was if it's not broken, don't fix it. As Lee Corso would say, not so fast, my friend. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. And so, from a boots perspective, I think when you find one that works, you do it. But from a research perspective, I think that there's to me there's three or four things that. Um, in the off season, I'm always researching. One was boots. The second thing is rain gear. Okay, um, I, I had a you know King's XKG is going to launch next spring a new Highline Arteryx type rain gear, right? Uh, um, a a high end rain gear. Mm-hmm. I'm always looking for new rain gear. Uh, the last three years, um, I, I had used uh, black diamond. Yeah, black diamond. I went and got a black diamond, and uh, um, and the only problem with it is it didn't make it. Now, I know I put a lot of time in the field. It didn't make it um, very long. Now, I live in an area, we do, that doesn't have a ton of rain. It's an arid, desert-esque type Especially place. Especially this year. 
Yeah, I mean, just today would have been good. But I ordered a couple new rain jackets, so we'll see. But you don't want to do your research when you get in the field on your hunt. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, so I would say rain gear, and I'd like to hear what you guys have to say. So I'd say boots no is number one. No opinion on rain gear or boots. <laughs> yes, you do have a great opinion on rain gear. Okay, so what's your opinion on rain gear? I did buy a super expensive pair last year of rain pants. That was Arteryx. You know, you saw them. And the Arcteryx or the Ots? No, the Arcteryx. I own the Ots. They kept falling off my ass. Because the suspenders? Yeah, well, the suspenders. suspenders are wonky on the Ots. They're, they're, that's the fatal flaw of so the So I Ots. bought a $580 pair of Arcteryx. Yeah, they're with, with the bib suspenders. Bib suspenders. That's what I still have. It's, I have a Theta AR. Yeah. And then they made the Beta AR, which is their standard pants for skinny guys like when I was 10 years ago. <laughs> then I had to go to the Theta. Because so did what you have it? to get the Charlies now? What do you think of those? <laughs> Arcteryx, my old Arcteryx, if you pull them out of the closet now, I got a couple. I, I still kept all of them. I got some that, you know, the knees are not good, very waterproof. Hands down, from about 2002 to about 2007, when I we bought a lot of those, even maybe starting 2001, much better quality, in my opinion, than the stuff that's made today. But then Arcteryx, like a lot of companies, went overseas, um, you know, Chinese made. They used to be made in Vancouver. I'm not saying that the Chinese don't make good stuff, but I, I just found those were bombproof. You know, the Ot, Ot gear was really good. It was super tough. I never put a hole in it. Um, I mean, my, my Ar- I, and I wear that Arcteryx snowmobiling, cross-country skiing, normal skiing, hunting. I, didn't, I wasn't all decked out in camo with the QU and the Sika. Right now, I have a set of Sika gear that's just really good. I have no complaints, but it's, is it better than the, than the Arcteryx? No. It, it fits bigger guys better. The, Ar- the Arcteryx is always a lean cut, kind of like the QU stuff yeah, is. Yeah, these pants definitely and, fit and, me like And, and they do make several versions. I mean, but really, you don't really know. I mean, the fastest way is you go in, in a high-pressure shower. And, and, and stand in the shower, you know, and I'll, let it I'll hose you here. off. I'll volunteer. Well, my black diamond's got four holes in it. Oh, it know? does? It, it's just, you know. So where do you get the holes from? I think just, just their pack and, and stuff. Just pack Ge- and, uh, generally, if something's three-ply. Because it's not that old. But if somebody's three-ply Gore-Tex, yeah. it's probably not going to leak if it's brand new. The key is if you got rain gear, I, I, I bought a, a, a set. Well, I actually was given a set of like a rubberized type rain gear. And it was really nice and comfortable, but it doesn't breathe very well. Mm-hmm. They said, try it. Well, that's and Kings. I wore it on one Kings hunt. Kings has got a great rain gear, but it's yep. rubberized. But I wore it on one hunt, and I rode a horse. I was not sweating. You can't blame me sweating or the heat. And I would rode a horse. And my Canatrek boots, after the end of four hours, I poured water out of them. And the rain pants were over my boots, and I had gaiters on. And it soaked right through my pants, riding through the brush. Wow. And, and I literally could pour water out and wring my socks out. And I did not fall in the creek. I did not sweat because I was on horses in the rain. Now, it was as bad as the rainstorm as you can get for about three to four hours. It probably put down three inches, two to three inches. But, I mean, I was so soaked. I, each boot increased by two or three pounds of, of just super saturation. I'd say, let's say, let's say two, th- three pounds total between the two. Literally poured water out. You could have filled up the water bottle halfway with my socks and my, and my boot water. Wow. So, and that was a pretty well-known company, um, and they've since fixed that problem. But, I, again, I'm not wearing no more experimental rain gear without having a good set with me. So, again, horseback hunting, quad hunting, take both, but always have for the day that it might go sour. And then use the other stuff, riding the quad and riding the horse in case something goes bad, have the other one with you. Because I've had them fail a few times. Not very often. Like my QU, Chugash has never really failed me. It's just not very tough. The Yukon I, I gave to one of our guides, it was too stiff and, and too hot. 
and normal backpacking weather. And then they had the storm front from Sitka, which was a good product, but also too warm. I gave it to one of the guys in Romania. I just like their normal. Um, they're, they're normal with no insulation, no just nothing reindeer. in it. Well, that's what Three I got ply. with our. Yeah, that's what I got with the Arcteryx. Arcteryx is probably the best you've worn. Yeah, it is. And it's just, I mean, I can't. Like, I'm gonna go, and they I have just 100 confident. And in, you can you wear know? them to town because they don't. You don't look yep. like a walking camouflage. And and they don't board. fall down when I have a pack on. So that brings me to the suspenders third. are really key for pack packing. Even if you're skinny, you'll get the you'll get the crotch sag, and you'll get a better chance of baboon ass. The biggest problem with suspenders, if you have a if you, if you're a guy that has chronic bowel syndrome, you're gonna you, you're gonna have to take those suspenders <laughs> off multiple times, and that's a pain in the ass. It's not that big of a literally deal. can be depending. But the, but but, but here but, here's but the, the reality. Suspenders are the key. Here's the reality with uh, um with for me, I have a skinny. Um, bottom side. If you right? did more squats, if, if if I was if 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 I if I was thinner up top, I would look like I once did, which was you know pretty much uh, bean pole. So pants fall off me. Rain gear was the second thing I wanted to tell people that I think is research in the off season. And then the third thing, and then once you get it, don't fix it when you go hunting. Use it everywhere. Packs. I think you should research your packs if you're a Western hunter or not. I think you, even if you're going to go on one or two Western hunts, get a good pack that you like. Learn the pack. Me personally, the best pack I've came across, and I've bought them all, you know, in the last few years, all of them, would be the Mystery Ranch. Um, it, I just love my Mystery Ranch. Uh, that, th to me, it's, uh, it's the best one. I've, it fits me well, and so um, I would do your research on those three things. Your guys' thoughts on packs? Packs, packs and boots and rain gear are the three things you don't want to fail on a hunt. Because if one of them fails, you could wear some no-name fleece pants, right? You could literally go get some fleece sweatpants from Walmart. And but if you have bad, so but you have to have the good socks and boots and the orthotic. That's the whole set. That's your footwear set, right? And then you got your pack, which is a good suspension system and a bag and a rain fly, so you don't get stuff wet. And then you got to have the good rain gear. And those three. Are, I, I would rather borrow the gun than borrow that shit. A hundred percent. Russia almost ruined my hunt because I tried a new pair of boots. I was researching a new pair of boots. Yeah. I was researching a new pack, and I had new rain gear on, and it was an epic failure you for me. You research with your main boots with you still, and you will research when you're doing little day hikes around the camp glassing 100 yards, 400 yards, but you don't go after a big sheep for an all-day, all-night in a new pair of boots or rain gear. Yeah, nope. So that, that, so from my, from my perspective, researching, great point, Brian. Um, that's what I would do, and I think uh, you're exactly right. Boots, pack, and rain gear, if you can get those three put together, and you always say, Brad, a great rain gear system adds 10 degrees to a poor, least, yeah. a, to a, a, a moderately good layering system. Hey, you look, I, I have my rain top in on uh, all season during shooting schools and usually it's not that cold but sometimes it's just cool enough throw it on and i'm good it cuts the wind is the big well, thing you can actually if you can actually if you want to save weight you can get rid of your soft shell on a hunt and not and, and just take your rain gear i got rid of my soft shell on a hunt like 14 years ago and it's never gone back in the, the soft shell when you're hunting places like kyrgyzstan and up in the alpine the soft shells are nice because the wind and so you have to have two things that are windproof that you can wear out exposed. So that means a synthetic puffy or a rain gear. Because forget the down puffy. You're wearing it in any brush at all, it's going to tear. Wearing it in the wind, it can be wind resistant. But if it gets wet at all, it's going to take too long to dry. 
So, so if I'm in a place where I don't need the rain gear as much, which is very few places, definitely the soft shell is good for the wind. But the soft shell has nothing to do with rain gears. The only thing soft shells are good for is like light, cold snow. Anything that's a wet snow, any wet brush, any rain, the soft shells are a total disaster. They don't do much. And some soft shells don't breathe, and so it's like wearing a clam. Um, you know, you like literally like feel like a wet clam inside of it. So soft shells have their place. I've seen soft shells that were like cheap, like laminated, that actually are worse than rain gear for holding sweat and wet in, and you can't dry them out because of the, they get right. soaked. The, you got to turn the, them inside out. They're like a sponge. Yes, like a styrofoam. Soft shells is you just want something that's fairly tough because if you go bushwhacking and rain gear though. And, you know, it's cold. I mean, it, it, it can tear it. So sometimes I would take my ring. If I knew I was going to do a terrible bushwhack and I was going to get wet and I had a base camp, I might take it off and just bushwhack through because I'm going to be wet from the sweat. I don't ruin my rain gear. Bushwhacking with horses and stuff and really bad stuff is ruining In your, your research gear. also, not to interrupt you, but in your research also, um, I, I would use a resource like us. Give us a shout. The I bought that pair of Scarpa. Those were Zodiac GTXs. Zodiacs. They, yeah, they were supposed to be the best of the best of the best, and they kill my feet. And I'm not I'm not busting on because I know guys that love Scarpas right. and they swear by them. But find out what works for you, um, and give us a call. Yeah, I have I had a pair of Hanvogs and and I hated Hanvogs. Yeah, I just absolutely hated those things, and people love them. Yeah, but they, they just didn't fit they don't my work feet. For me. Oh my yeah, gosh! They don't, they don't, they don't fit I, for me. No, either. it was one of our guides loved the boots, but he's got thick, fat, juice. And like and big, I've tried two like or a ballpark Frank feet. Yeah, right? exactly. And that doesn't work for me. No, they don't work. Mine for look me like I have a narrow, high arched foot. So like, I look like a grass fed, uh, grass fed old uh, Hereford bull feet, right? Well, and it's all just ribs. like packs. I've bought, you know this. I've but I've swallowed hook, line, and sinker. All the marketing from the new pack companies for three years. Well, you're and harder. I spent you, so it, much it, money it, on for, them, especially for you. Wow. It's like boots. You got to really fit it. You you're six four. Yeah. So so that's. I mean, for I me, I'm a. I, I'm pretty easy to fit with a pack because. And Brian Wolf said he doesn't know my size, but that's because I don't know if I'm done sheep hunting and eating like I was just sheep hunting, or. Um, but today, Brian Wolf, this morning, um, two forty and point two five quarter pounds. So just so you know, two forty and a quarter pound this morning. Was that skinny dipping? Nope. You know that was yeah that was Jake naked. But yeah. It still wasn't what it was. Did so, you did you roll up in one of those sauna bags like you're wrestling to do that, or was that just a natural? No, I could cut five pounds of weight. Hey, this is the burden that's flying to you. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Okay, <laughs> no, that's okay. Ass. That's okay. You can do all you want. That's uh, okay. But you know, speaking of packs, I I was on the phone on Thursday, or f Thursday I think with Kurt Roscoe from Stone mm -hmm. Glacier, and you have a Stone Glacier, and I have one, and um, Kurt said. I, I was talking about, remember, Brian, when we, we called Mystery Ranch and the guy, I got off the phone, he said, he told me I was old school. And I don't remember the guy's name at Mystery Ranch. He said, well, you don't do it that way anymore. Well, it's like, well, you don't carry 140 pounds either. <laughs> because if you carried 140 pounds that way, it won't work. Because um, Kurt said, we had a great talk. And Kurt said, there's, a, there's two philosophies with the packs. You know, with the load load shelf, you got to get the weight off your ass, even with the load shelf. So they try and make them, and and we had a great talk about. It. And he said they he built a machine that's like a lever, a lever. Uh, it shows a, the the force of the pack on this machine, how much you'd have to lean over to count correct for it. And he said just by putting weight a few different places, like a little bit higher, closer to your body, 
you know, versus having the load shelf and having the weight too far back. He said it can totally change the entire dynamics of the pack. So learning how to pack your pack is, is, is more critical than the pack you have. And too light of a pack, same thing. It's like a pair of boots. Too light of a pack. Have we done a video on that? And they'll fail. We, should, we did one. On, I, on how to pack the pack? The weight-wise? Yep. Okay, good. And I've I, done a couple articles on it, too. I we should get an article for the broadsheet. I wanted this weekend yes. to have an ice pack inside my pack. <laughs> it was so damn hot. It, to keep you from sweating. Oh, my gosh. It was hot. So, hey. He had some um, serious swells going on, didn't oh, he? So, was, yeah. so here we go again. Boots, rain gear, and packs, they, they can ruin a trip if you don't research them. Get them fitted to you. Make sure you get – if you have any questions, call in here. We'd love to um, – We'd love to help you and give you some advice. One of the things I can tell you between Brad, Brian, and Brian, myself, we have bought it all. Now, I shouldn't say bought it all. We've bought the majority of it. We've chased marketing. We have a lot um, of stuff. We have a lot of stuff hanging in, in our overflow. That was expensive and doesn't work room. <laughs> Here, and we would, we would love to help you avoid having as big of that was expensive and doesn't work room. Yep. And that's, that's why we're doing this. So from a scout, let, let's let's transition from a scouting because I want to make sure we give uh, all of our friends um, what what it is we're talking about today. But scouting, I had a few things on that too. I had um, uh, optics. I think people need to use their optics. They need to be very careful of interrupting um, the area that their animals are living in, and if there's any type of low intrusive type hunting or an ancillary type activity they can do in their hunting areas, it's always really good. And I think that those are important. But I wanted to talk about optics um, because when it comes to preseason scouting, um, now you have researched more optics and Brian has researched more optics than I have. Um, and uh, But I know we are weeks away from heading up to the lease and spending some time in figuring out what's there. Right. And we will be spending hours behind the glass. I had a somebody called me. <laughs> Here's the trick. I had somebody and he's he's a oh, he's comfortable enough fiscally that he can have whatever he wants. And he said, "Hey, I see your uh I see your ad. You got those binoculars 289." And I said I I I said you're not a $289 binocular guy. You just aren't. Right. Just don't even. He's like, well, I need new binoculars. Well, okay, you can afford them. Just get. Unfortunately, this is not one of those deals where you can buy $289 binoculars and they compete with the binoculars that we all have slung around our and necks. And $289 binoculars have a place. They but do. It's, it's back east more than it is yep. out west here where we make, I mean, not a living, but we make our living behind the glass. Well, we might spend easily eight, ten hours a day looking through whatever optics we're looking through that day. I mean, that's that's not unusual. The hard, a lot of times, the hard parts getting to where you're going to look, and then you look for a long, long time. Well, yeah. you get, well, you have less eye fatigue, you have less repairs and less maintenance typically. And at the end of the day, it's like if you really like to drive. And you really, you know, spending an, a little bit more money on a car that you're going to spend a lot of time in it. I mean, these hunts are not cheap. Optics is a joke in price compared to how much a stone sheep hunt costs. So why cut corners? Now, if you're a guy who's a kid just getting into it and needs something quick, a, not to say $200 is a little cheap, but let's say a $300 pair, two, $250 yeah. to 
300, like some of the Vortex and the Leopolds, they work fine until you look through a $3,000 pair and they go, hmm. You know, you don't really realize it's not that good until it's like if you've never, if you've only driven a Camaro and you never, never drove a ZR1 Corvette, you don't really realize. Then you drive a ZR1, you go back to a Camaro and it's like wanders the road like a boat. It's, it's, and that's what a Swarovski or a Leica is like compared to a $200. They're not like five times better, but when you've spent time behind the wheel, literally, and then you go back to something that's a $300 one, it just doesn't feel good. It just is hard to get focused quickly, especially in the extreme conditions, extreme early light, looking into the sun, extreme late light. That's when they. That's when it matters, and that's when a lot of times you're finding your animals. Well, mirage. If you were just taking, you could take a decent camera and go outside in perfect light and take good photos. Now try and take photo wildlife photos in low light, and if you don't have like an f four or f two point eight, you're not going to get not, the animal's going to be blurry. And that's where it matters. It's it's not the the daytime looking at the kids' football across the stadium, wondering how your kid's doing. This is looking for a legal sheep at last light, and that's where it matters. It's just like a custom-loaded bullet trying to shoot a 1,000 yards versus 200 yards. Right. 200 yards, you can shoot anything you want. Try and shoot a 1,000 yards <laughs> right. first shot with no <laughs> yeah. wind. And, Everything and, and, and a 60 or 70 foot per second difference in, in speed can make the difference between hitting in the brisket barely and hitting in the heart, right? Right. So, I mean, no, that's, that's, great that's, point. that's the difference. It, it's, it's always when you push it. If you're just going to have fun, you can just get a cheap one. But if, and, and when, I, when I travel, I tell all the hunters, get a cheap pair and give it to the guides because the guides don't take care of them like we do. And it's better than what they have. But if you're going to put your, say, a, a professional guide, you know, from the U.S. or Canada, um, or guys like yourselves or a lot of our clients, it's, it's, it's worth the money. And you might not, Leica might not fit your face well. I love Leica, um, but it, it doesn't fit my face as good as, say, the Zeiss. But well, the Leica, up, Leica upped their warranty program, too. That's a nice thing. That they, yeah. they were lacking in that for a long well, time. Well, a lot of the German companies have been lacking in the warranty. The American, the Vortex, and Leopold's always had a better warranty. So, but they, they, they just don't make German glass. Right. German glass and German AMGs are different. It's just different, right. isn't it? It's just not a Ford Taurus, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> the the International Scout travel all sitting across is just different. Well, it? I think <laughs> the other thing is is one of your points was is if you're going to have a car and you want to drive a little nicer car because you're going to get a little bit more out of it. I have a pair of um, Leica Geovids that I've had since 2007 or eight. I want to say. It's like a used Mercedes. And, and I still have them. And for what I do, they 90% of the time get a 500 yard. Well, they always get a 500, well, depending on the conditions. But I can get it, I can go out today, right now, a clear day. It gets 800, The 900 problem with yards. those older Leicas, and I had issues with the older Leicas in snow. Yeah. That they were not yeah. as good in snow. But I carry two anyway. So for me. Yeah, you carry now, your SIG or something. Yeah. Else. Yeah. And I, I do. But now the optics has improved on them. And so I probably need to get a new pair. Yeah, you, but um, every I'm, time you look through mine, you're like, ah. But I have a hard good. time. But but my point to this is is if you're going to go out scouting, and we're we're going to be out scouting real soon. And I would say the first thing we're going to do is we're going to get saddled up to the best glass we have, and we're going to spend a lot of time behind that glass, seeing what is out there, and we're just going to bump along ridge to ridge to ridge and and cover ground and see what we can get see what what's there. We know what was out on our lease last year. Um, we know what we left there last year. And you know what? Now that we've been there five, six, seven years, we're starting to see bucks 
that we so many people want to know everything in a year or two of a piece of property and it's taken us five six years to just figure it all out and ours is a big piece but it, it's you know it uh there, it's a lot of ground to cover and optics are a big part of the pre uh, preseason scouting well, a lot of your western animals your, your, even your moose your deer for sure your mule deer your elk they're out in the open in july or august because their horns are have velvet on them and they don't want to be in the bush so animals that you might have to hunt in the bush you can spot them out now and so the optics are really critical because, uh, like that, that the same with moose. We saw a lot of big moose, but as soon as they start losing the velvet, poof, into the timber. And same with big mule deer, like region G and H. Is it because the bugs just drive them nuts with that velvet, isn't it? No, it's because they're very sensitive. They can't touch anything, right? It'd be like going around with a big open sore in your arm, right? If a big blister, you know, or a sunburn, you're gonna, you know, you can't touch anything, right? So I've got to rub a sunburn, you're gonna like scream. And so you want to be out in the open because it's super sensitive. And it tears, it'll cause a deformity on their horn, too. So they are not in the heavy timber. They're all the moose are in the brush pockets. And they'll come out the same place until a bear or you put screw them, screw around with them, they'll stay right there. You know, easy. Huh. Early season. That's why, big, that's why big mule deer, if you can hunt a big mule deer with a rifle between August 15th and September 1, you, that's when the, the most big deer would be killed. That's why the archery guys can go in these places and shoot these big deer. Because as soon as they start losing their velvet and they go into the trees, it's a whole game changer. Because once you lose your eyes, how do you hunt these animals? It's really hard. you got to have snow, like we were talking about one of our sessions is tracking. But a lot of the guys in the Midwest are not actually glassing. They're just looking for sign and scrapes and you know, moose rut pits if you're a moose hunter, whatever. But you, you hunt the West out here, Wyoming, the Dakotas, you know, a lot of northern B.C. where I hunted, you know, it's everything is with your eyes. The country is too low a de too low a game densities in the bush. Well, and ultimately that's what uh, game cameras are for the guys on in Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan. The it's, game it's, cameras it's change their, the game. Yeah, it's their eyes. They can go but, in But there Western hunting is not very critical unless you're like on some of these water no, holes. No, but it is because their optics aren't game cameras. Our optics are a pair of Leicas. Well, well, it's a Leupold. It's so, a, so for us right now, you're talking about a place that we – We've been to, we've hunted a lot. So a lot of the, a lot of people when they're scouting though, they got to start blind. Like for my, like an, an example would be my tag that I had last year. Never been up there, hadn't hunted it ever, but I just knew that was, that was where the elk that I wanted to be were at. Right. So first thing we, we started with was getting maps of the area. Yep. Maps of the area. We just get, got big generic, you know, national forest maps, um, I think I, I ordered. And then we a, went up there with optics, I ordered a my topo. Yep. 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 Well, and then I, I just looked through my, because I, I had a notebook specifically for that, just to scout that. So I, I started with three maps, and then I called 20. I had 24 calls into people who had experience in that area and just started breaking it down. And then we started going up and looking from afar with our glass again and just started, you know, then we had at least. We found we had, elk right away. I, but but we had enough of a you background. Had, you had you had paperwork information. Yeah, we had data. We had data. Yep. Yep. to put us because it's big Otherwise country. Otherwise, you can it's spot. Country you can spot there. where there's no elk. Oh my gosh, it's it's the old you know eighty twenty ninety ten rule. Ninety percent of the place oh. had no elk. Well, that's why you'll never see eighty percent. That's why you'll whatever. never see a DIY hunter uh, with. I mean, they'll have one or two species they're really good at, but you'll never see a DIY hunter with the North America 29 that makes Boone and Crockett. I mean, just because you don't have the area knowledge to do that. That has to, that takes time, money, and outfitters, and a lot of it's legalities. But let's say I'm living in British Columbia, 
right? I'm not going to be a master of all the species there. I just don't have the time to do it. I can master maybe a sheep or a goat. Maybe maybe this year I'll focus, three years I'll focus on some whitetails. But, yeah, I mean, Brad had a wonderful tag, and, and, and it's a high-success kill when you get it, but it's really impossible to get the tag. But let's say he lived five hours from his hunting area or, you know, two days' drive, then, you know, hiring an outfitter that you know is proven that, uh, you know, we can put you in touch with that um, – that's, but but well, that's a really good point because preseason yep. scouting also should start during application season right, right in January 1st or before that uh, December when you're getting your plan of where you yep. want to hunt but and that's, which you want to start applying. That's been for. my same my same method is I start by getting maps, then I start calling the game biologists, then I start calling the CEOs, then I might get some names pretty soon. Usually you can intermingle a mm -hmm. bunch a, a, a group of people and pretty soon, people most of the time, people are helpful, and they'll oh, you drew that tag, oh, that's awesome. No, no different than if well, I I'm drew counting on southern that. New Mexico. I'm right? counting on that for a giant mule deer because I drew the statewide any yeah. deer muzzleloader muzzleloader tag. tag. Yep. So uh, uh, yeah, and that's a December. I had like a five percent chance. This is the first time I've ever drawn something like lightning struck me. So I just drew it. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. that'll be fun. Yeah, that that'll be. We're a gonna really kill a giant deer. We're gonna do yeah. our research. Speaking of scouting, we're starting right now. And that's a good one to scout. Cause that's a great one to scout because I'm calling. I'm gonna start calling. I was just yep. making notes on it today. Same thing. Because I'm gonna do the same thing. I'm gonna start calling different outfitters I know, different places, and say, okay, now I know we have hunting season, but if we have a deer that makes it through, I'm gonna start scouting for the biggest right. deer in the state. Because what if what if I could turn up a 220 inch deer that makes it through everything, right. and we we go whack that thing. We got a whole state any deer muzzleloader, right? Statewide oh. any any deer. Like you drew that tag, I drew that. I drew that uh, really good elk tag in Wyoming. In Wyoming, right. I'm, I'm going scouting. Uh, well, the weekend you, after you've this. been doing the same thing. You, uh, no, you don't. You uh, are, I actually haven't you did, much. You didn't have. Well, well you've I've been heard you on the calls. phone. Yeah, okay. I've heard you on the phone. Because I'm like, that's so full of shit. Uh, you've been. Oh, excuse me, bleep. I've actually um, bleep that out. I've actually um, made two call, <laughs> phone calls on it. Oh, okay. Well, I've been around with both those phone calls. Right. But your two phone calls are like 47 hours each, so that doesn't even count. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's like bring a pillow, hours. a pillow and a blanket, and uh, set your timer so that when yeah. oh I, I, we got to take a nap now. Okay, I'll get back. To so anyway, but you, you're doing the same thing. I mean, you don't need a map because you've you've been in a lot of that country. You didn't. Well, the buy map maps. is always nice. Um, I, I will get a map. My friend has some maps already from there. So once I go in there and see where we want to go, I'll be, I'll buy some different yeah. maps. But you won't just bust in there. You'll be like the guy with the trail camera going in there. Well, the real guy slick. I'm going in with has horses. And he's been in there a couple times before. Yeah. And then we have some inside information from some outfitter friends that have given me information. Well, one thing that's so been you'll nice. be hunting bugling bulls I'm actually, with a rifle. I'm actually going to well October first. I'm actually going hunting public land because the outfitter that normally took a lot of his out hunters on public land is, is is turned them over to the private land outfitter. And so instead of hunting the private land ranch, we're just going to go in the public and then have access to the private if we need to if we see something. But we're not going to even try and deal with the, uh, that situation. We're just going to go hardcore. Well, it used to be only old school maps. Now, like this weekend, I've always used Onyx. Well, not always. Always is an exaggeration. I've used Onyx in the past. And it's a, uh, if you haven't had something like that, it's a game changer. I started out with, uh, you know, back when they had the chips, the Onyx mm -hmm. chips, and you put them in your GPS. That was unbelievable. And now you just have it essentially on your phone. Now the disadvantage of that is you got to download the maps, so you have to go in and, and download them. 
this weekend I downloaded uh, uh, Basemap. Mm-hmm. And it's a little different, so I don't know how to use it I as have well base yet. Map. It, it's not hard, it, honestly. I think it's because I've used your Onyx, right? And I have base map, and I, I think they're pros a horse and cons. Piece. That's pros right. And cons. I think yeah. I, I think they're horse piece. One's a pal. One, you yeah. Know. No, I'm not saying I, one was better than the other. Yeah. It's just different. It's I just know, slightly different. It. And I knew how to use the other one. One quite of well. the things we did forever to kill a lot of these big mule deer in this room is we we preseason scouted by doing coyote hunting in late September and early October. That's a good point. Um, because we were out there calling coyotes, doing our predation, if you will. While we were scouting for, and you know, you're you're being pretty uh, unintrusive anyway, you know, poking at different areas, but you'd get a lot of animal on their feet to see what that was, and they'd be looking, what is that a coyote? What's that predator? And so we would always be like, whoa, that's a good deer. Whoa, you know, that's going to be good. And like you said, we knew where about where they would be. We had an idea of what was there. Right. Well, one of the services when I I drew my tags for the Montana Bighorn and the um, the Desert Sheep with the Hunt and Fool, they would give you the names of guys. There are members that had drawn the tag, and uh, so I would I would get they would I would call a couple of the guys that had drawn that that forty six B that I drew in in Arizona years ago, and uh, they gave me some insight into it. Now the Montana tag I already knew really well, so I didn't really need to ask many questions, um, but. But in general, that was a nice service that you could call up and ask the guys. And everybody, the problem is everybody that just hunts at once, they can they can give you some general things, but it's not as good of information typically as a guy who lives there right. and knows the area. That's why guys that are really busy usually hire outfitters. Because, um, but what I my suggestion, if you do hire an outfitter, some of these outfitters are so good, they're pretty mentally pre, pre, predetermined they're going to kill something opening day because they don't like competing. So I tell guys, if you want to go on a hunt and you want to feel like you're involved, show up a week early. Go scouting with the outfitter and the guides, and then kill it the opening day. So that way well, you get a week, that way you get seven or eight days of hunting time with no pressure. I think that's even accurate for sheep. My, my, I will tell you this: that that stone sheep that just got delivered here, um, I went back up and said, "Hey, listen, I'd like to come in three days early. Can I go in?" And the outfitter was like, "Whoa, uh, perfect! Let's get in there early. Let's find this." Some of, like that area was a good area to do it in. Some yeah. of the flying areas, the outfitters won't do it. They don't no, scout. I understand. We never scouted ever for sheep much in our known areas. We would look in some fringe areas, hoping we might see something in July, because the, the rams will go to the furthest pretty much in July and August, and then late August, early September, depending on the snow, they start working back towards where the ewes are, and they'll end up where the ewes are at the end of October. And so that's what you would try and do. Uh, see, you, still, you still had scouted it enough to know and you're the we, we, we knew that there was probably nothing in there, and if we drag a hunter in there, he'd be probably not super happy. And, and the other thing but I But we didn't tell scout our known areas. Our known areas, we did not scout because the average guy, stone sheep are too wary, and you go in there, and they'll run away. You know, th- that, that makes really good sense. And, and one of the things I also want to make sure everybody that's listening knows, if, you've booked, uh, if you book with us or somebody else, but if you booked a hunt, do not be afraid to call the outfitter or call us, okay, if you want, if you booked with us and you got any question. Because that's somewhat pre-scouting too. What can I expect? What That little unknown question needs to be answered. That's the only reason we go scouting is because we want to know what's out there. Well, if you don't know what's out there, what's expected from you, make sure you call, man. Um, that would be my suggestion to you. Well, so. And you can't turn down, if you don't know what the area produces, you can't turn down certain animals. Perfect. But you, if you know that the area produces once in a while, one out of 100 stone rams is 170, you don't turn down a 168, right? 
I mean, but if you have like like Brad is going on a bighorn hunt this year, he can turn down 160s and 165s. But if he sees a 171 or 172, he probably needs to shoot it because the chance at a 177 is really hard. A 168, he's going to be squeezing the trigger on if it's if if it's got. Well, it's not just the score; it's the age because you can get a ram like your desert scores well, but he's a younger ram. I mean, so that's a phenomenal animal, um, and, and so it's not always that. But but to me. Yeah, it's sitting right beside us. That's not bad. <laughs> Phenomenal. But if you shoot, if you shoot a ten or twelve year old ram and he scores one sixty eight, that's where I, that's where sometimes the score, the score is what turns a lot of guides off. One hundred gets upset because he didn't shoot a one seventy ram, and he shoots a one sixty eight that that is half inch smaller bases but carries the weight better. You know, it, it, we we can't let score ruin the hunt either. I've seen that happen. Score is great and it's cool to get a booner, but you can't let it ruin the hunt. Right, for sure. You have to enjoy the hunt for what it is. You're well, out. but big animals look better. I'm not yeah. going to tell you. I mean, like a Ferrari looks better than a Corvette, and, and a McLaren looks better than Remember a Ferrari. Those new Corvettes with the motor in the back look pretty cool. Yeah, so I'll tell you. And so. a Coast and Eggs looks better than both of them, but that's in the eye of the beholder. So, hey, now might be a good time to invite you to become a member of Rolling Bones at RollingBones.com. Just to interrupt this for a second with a uh, um, with a shameless commercial for us. Um, we do appreciate you listening, but if you're if you're looking for a resource to help provide you the opportunity to find the right adventure, our hunt plan uh, it was strategically built to help people match themselves with the right, uh, I guess, match the hunter to the hunt, right? So uh, you can create your own hunt plan. You dream big or small, budget, uh, no budget, anything. You come in there, you build it, you give your preferences, it kicks you out your best matches. In over 400 different outfitters, and hunts we have you covered um we spend a lifetime of energy um building off of a vetted database of outfitters and and uh hunting adventures and fishing adventures so um 50 uh silver membership 150 gold and uh 500 uh for the platinum get a hold of us go to our website at rollingbones.com and check us out um we sure appreciate you listening uh, you guys got anything else? One more thing on scouting. What would you do if you were scouting? I would uh, get in good shape too. That uh, you know, get up and enjoy the mountains. Get up early if you can. If you live too far away, even if you're a tree stand hunter in Iowa, you let hunting use uh, be a reason for you to yep. climb in and out of that tree and be more comfortable. L lose some pounds. Get in better shape. I don't think there. You know, we used to say when I played competitive sports, speed. Never has a bad day. Right. Being, being in good shape yep. never has a bad well, day. Well, this is something I, I used to say. You can never be too good of a shot or in too good of a shape when it comes to mountain hunting. Boy, there isn't that go. the truth. And, and uh, yeah, that, that is for sure. Right. Because, if, I mean, the more animals you spot, the further you can spot them, the faster you can hike, the, more, the longer you can hike, the more opportunities you're going to have. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate it, guys. Great job. Here's just a quick reminder. Be sure to subscribe to Hunt the World wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, podcast, Google Podcasts, and pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. Also, please, I, I, uh, I, I want to say implore you, but I um, want to ask you. How does that sound? Does that sound right, Bleep? I want to ask you. We have had such a tremendous amount of success with this podcast. We get so much feedback. Share it with a friend. Let somebody know about Sharing it. Sharing is caring. It, it is caring. And and we we want to help 
everybody, if you're a member or not, become a better outdoors person, have more information, service, access, value, and education is our entire focus every day. And uh, we appreciate you listening. Until next week, be safe, stay healthy, and happy hunting.